Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis. Hello and welcome to the third episode of the Echo Dispatch. I am still Jason Lewis and I am now Chief Reporter at the Bournemouth Daily Echo. A new role for me but still the same great opportunities to speak to Dorset's finest. This instalment of the podcast marks a big first, with the interview taking place in person due to the easing of COVID restrictions. I sat down with a prominent figure in the region's hospitality and events industry, who I've got to know through a number of short interviews on his various ventures and successes during my time at the paper. However, there was still a lot I wanted to know about the person behind it all. If you have been to a handful of events on a few nights out or parties at the odd festival in and around Bournemouth, the chances are Ty Tamel has been involved in putting that show on. From starting out being that guy who gave you a paper flyer for a nightclub event to putting on a music festival at Sandbanks, he has had quite the journey. But that is enough of me telling you about him. Let's get to the interview. Enjoy. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, Ty. Thanks for having me, mate. And obviously, very busy man, so I'm very grateful for you giving me a bit of your time. We're in Halo right now, one of the main things you're involved in, across the board in leisure and hospitality, events, Sandfest, San Polo, Rise, which I'm sure we'll come on to, Dorset Mine, cafe, bars, restaurants. How do you fit it all in? So, I ask myself that all the time, to be honest, and, and a lot of my friends ask me it, but I've got this thing where I've got a really, really short attention span, so it was a bit of a hindrance at school in the educational system because I couldn't concentrate for too long on something. But actually it's become a bit of a superpower in business because what it allows me to do, it allows me to spin multiple plates, projects, without feeling the pressure as much as other people would. So I can give 110% focus on something for a short period of time and move on. So that's effectively what I do with all these projects. And they keep me engaged. I wish I had that sort of approach. I'm sure a lot of people would. Here at Halo right now, how did you first get involved in the nightclub scene? It seems a good place to start. How did I get involved? So I was at... Bournemouth College, studying civil law, <laughs> of all things, and financial planning, because no one in my family had been to university, so I thought, I'll, um, I'll be the first to break that, I'll, I'll study. But I really struggled with studying because of what I just told you about my attention span. And while I was at college, I met a guy called Ilka, who was the marketing director of a big group of clubs in the area. All the old clubs you'd remember, Chili, Chili Whites, Toco, Bliss, all those ones. And I started flyering for him for £5 an hour because I had, a, I, I had a natural knack for networking. It wasn't called that in those days. I just was good at bringing people together, making them feel comfortable around each other. Um, and I didn't know I had this ability. I just did it naturally. So I started giving out flyers. And obviously, you're 18, 19, whatever you are, and, and you're at college, and you think giving out flyers is a good idea. You get to chat to girls, get to chat to people, get to make new friends because I wasn't from Bournemouth. Um, so it started off like that, then me being me, always wanting to go on to the next big thing, I then started selling tickets for him in events where, I don't know, the ticket might have been a tenner and I'd get a quid per ticket, something like that. And then the next thing was I found clubs that had nights that were failing or weren't very busy or the nights that were shut. And I approached them and said, look, standard promoter venue deal, I'll make it busy, I'll pay for the DJ, but I take the door money, you take the bar money. That's kind of like the standard setup. So I did a load of that. And it kind of just spitballed from there. And the next thing, I, I got a job as a manager in a club for about nine months to learn the operational side because the market and I had a natural knack for. And then the opportunity came up to get involved in Halo back in 2013. I was actually 24 when I opened Halo. Wow. Yeah, very young. And, and to be quite frank, didn't have a clue what I was doing. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> did you feel at the time a bit? At all? Yeah, I mean, it was just like, I just always played the game, if you know what I mean. And... Um, and had that front on, but yeah, deep down in my, within myself, I didn't know what I was doing. I was swimming with sharks, I was, I was new to it, I was winging it. And to be honest, I think 
a lot of us are still winging it and I think that's okay yeah and it probably seems an obvious answer to the next question but when you first got involved in Halo and we look out now if people know Halo's a venue we're on the, the top balcony and it's quiet at the change but it looks incredible and a lot different to when you first would have seen it could you ever imagine it becoming this? I mean, I'd be lying if I, had, if I said I had like an end vision for this venue. I, I, I think a lot of people use that as a bit of a thing. But as I said to you, I didn't know what I was doing. So the first year for me was all about watching and learning everyone. So I, I did every part of every role just to learn it. Then I started, I didn't, I didn't even put my two pence in at that stage. I let it run with the management as it was running. Once I understood the business, then I started changing things that I thought would be better, better for the customer experience. And... I guess this end vision came about because I, I really, really put a lot of thought into um, human behaviour. So I think about when someone arrives at the door, how they're greeted, where they go, what they might ask, what they might feel the way they're walking through that corridor. And I, I will walk that customer journey with the team and then we'll just find little bits that we can improve and, and smoothen out, basically. Yeah. And it's kind of just built on that. And I also just want to mention that it wouldn't be fair of me to take all the credit. The team I have here is incredible. The wealth of knowledge they have. So, you know, our, the three main people here, some of them have, have worked for some huge companies over the years. They're double my age. They've got unbelievable experience and I've learned a lot from those guys. So I think the key there is not thinking that you know it all and, and play to your strengths and bring people in that can do the job better than you. And you touched on the start, I asked about an end vision. Obviously, you potentially don't have one, but... Is there still things you want to do and develop here at the venue in Halen? Yeah, there's lots still we want to do. There's, I mean, I'm my own worst critic, so I'm probably the worst person to ask, but I'd always like to, to improve. Um, I'd like to open more of these. I'd like to, we did a, a series of parties in uh, Ibiza a few years back as Halo, like on tour almost, so I'd quite like to explore that. I'd like to get into touring, big bands, big DJs like um, national tours stuff like that but all sort of like sub-branded under here yeah that's probably it we've just had a huge refit in january as you know so from a venue perspective it's i'm happy as it is for now because we we only opened for five weekends and then the pandemic closed us down for 16 months so at the moment it's a fresh venue ready to go and one of the offshoots away from this was you've been heavily involved in events and real special nights that i'm sure for a lot of people in attendance have lived long in the memory i'm thinking of Floyd Mayweather and Tyson Fury. When you come to us saying, oh, I've got this guy, the first reaction sometimes is like, have you really though, have you actually got that? And then it all happened, you're like, well, you've got to sit back and applaud it because it does go off. Where do they rank in your achievements, those, those events you're able to put on? Because they really are quite spectacular to get these people down into little old Bournemouth. I mean, they're massive, massive achievements for me, like a bucket list ticks. And it's funny you say that because I remember actually contacting the Echo and we just confirmed Anthony Joshua and he literally just beat Klitschko I mean it's perfect timing and I could hear the reporter on the other end going like almost could hear the cogs in their brain going is this guy winding me up he's going to bring Anthony Joshua to Paul Lighthouse but um but yeah they're really up there and and you know the world the world the way the world's going as you know it's all about experience so we we love to watch people's lives look at Instagram stories look at Snapchat or not Snapchat now but Instagram's massive so I just thought, how do we bring that to life? So effectively, if we could bring these people to sit in front of others and they're talking about their life and you get to see them, hear it from their mouth, have a photo with them, have a little chat with them, that experience for me is actually priceless. You know, where are you going to bump into these kind of people when we live in Bournemouth? You're not going to, really. That was kind of the concept behind it. So now every time you phone up, Tyler, there's never any doubt. <laughs> it's on. 
it's, it's, it's quite staggering the, the, what you've done. I'm sure I remember speaking to you last time when, when I think it was Mayweather and you said there's a few more names on there and obviously I'm sure the pandemic's delayed that slightly but I'm sure you're working hard to progress things and a couple of other names that you probably want to keep close to your chest. Yeah, we had, we had some really big names lined up after Mayweather. I mean, like huge names. Some of them I won't say now just because they were NDA'd and contracted but we've been put back a couple of years. We're going to start again. This September we've got something small and in November a bit bigger and then and then hopefully Q1 of next year we can start with the bigger names. We've just got to get make sure that people are confident in coming to these events and also what's going on with the restrictions that yes. keep changing. Yeah, indeed, jumping through a lot of hoops that are constantly moving, it seems. Absolutely. And, and touching on the experience, which might come into this next question, how has the nightclub and events industry changed for you in that time since you first started out flying tickets to where we are now? Um, what's it, like 10, 10 years, over 10 years? 13 years, 14 years probably. I mean, obviously the last 12 months or 16 months has it's been a massive change because we've been closed. But if we think prior to that, um, the type of music, the type of fashion, that, those sort of things change. They, they go in cycles. So every five years you see like house goes big, then urban goes big, then this type of trainer goes big and that type. So that kind of stuff. But I guess the biggest thing is um, in the olden days, I say the olden days, I'm not that old, but say 10 years ago, people would come out and enjoy the night and live the night. You'll find now that people with Instagram and social media, that people are now trying to get the best photo, trying to get the best video. So they're, are we, we're finding they're paying a little bit more and upgrading to a VIP area, having their own area, having their bottles, almost to get that perfect shot for the gram, which is, which is sad to see in times, but we're all guilty of it. And, um, and it's good business for us. So long may it continue. How is that challenge for uh, someone involved in a venue as someone who's definitely not involved in that industry when things are changing like fashions and trends knowing that say it's going to come back around like a, a genre of music like house say and you haven't got a house night in your current setup or is that saying you just have to be on top of all the time and very flexible or do you is there sort of potentially guessing or just seeing trends there's a little bit of everything but this goes back to the team so we we the dance floor is always 18 like a dance floor in a nightclub is always 18 years old so Every year that goes by is a year that I'm more out of touch, my team are more out of touch with what's going on. But however, our promoters, our frontline staff, generally are 18 to 25. That's how it works. So those promoters are always ear to the ground, telling us what's coming, and we just, we just stay ahead of it. You know, if we, if we see someone blow up on YouTube overnight, you know, like when they go viral on, on Instagram or Twitter, we're the club that will find, you know, we, we had that Weldstone Raider here, if you remember. <laughs> so we're the club that will think, right, this guy's getting big, we've got an opportunity here. And that's just, again, down to the team, down to the research, and, and I guess the way we're, we're gay, we're, the way we're wired, we just try and stay a little bit ahead of the game. We're, we're not always there, don't get me wrong, we get caught out, but that's, that's how it is, really. It's a, it's, being an independent as well, we're really agile to be able to make the changes very, very quickly. So when you look at some of the competitors that have got, say, 250 units across the country, they have their strengths and historically one of their strengths was their uh, weaknesses would be that they do a, a central marketing plan for all these different towns but obviously every town has its own demographic has its own uh, way that people like to you know party or how much they want to spend per head so we're lucky that we can do that in-house um, that's probably a strength as well the echo dispatch with jason lewis it doesn't take long to get an understanding for the passion ty has for the industry he works in but what keeps him motivated Oh, good question. What keeps me motivated? Probably just uh, bettering myself. That's, 
that's something I learned probably in the last five years. Prior to that, I was always trying to compete with, with others. It's probably been more so during the pandemic. Now it's just about who I was yesterday. Just that 1%, the small, small uh, positive changes that will add up over, over a long period of time. Also, like for me, growing up, my dad always used to say that the, um, the true form of success is to be able to affect those around you positively. So that was kind of like instilled in me. He'd say it in Turkish, but it kind of translated to that. Um, so for me, it's just about making myself better, making my team, we all win, everyone's happy, everyone's you know, healthy. That's the main thing, really, I strive for. And does that time where you some of the ventures you're involved in now, such as the, the rise side of things, you're, you're often down there running at the, along the pier or going for a sea swim early doors, yeah. like physically made yourself and also in a business sense? Yeah, I guess when March 2020 hit, when lockdown came, lockdown one, I, prior to that, I was stuck in like the rat race as such, chasing that dollar, blinkered, not thinking anything about my own health, just thinking like a, a physical wealth, um, a financial wealth, sorry, was the future. And that just gave me some time to reset. I got back in, I got into reading. I got back into sort of my love for the outdoors, into training, um, and just sort of upgraded myself physically and mentally. And which is where Rise came about, because obviously it's a coffee shop and gym and well-being space. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm at that sort of bit where just trying to find the balance as the real world opens up again to ensure I don't get back on the hamster wheel and I can make some time for myself to stay fit, to stay healthy. Because without your health, there's nothing else, is there? It's an incredible message and something we could all probably do a little bit better, I'm sure, in our day-to-day -day lives. Yeah. Is there any other doubts in yourself or your ideas or what you've done or where you're progressing? And, and how do you deal with that? There's always doubts. I don't believe that anyone at any level has, doesn't have doubts. I don't believe if you spoke to Anthony Joshua when he's walking down to the ring, he doesn't have a doubt in his head. Um, it's just about controlling that chimp as they say so you you know it's the voices in your head that are trying to doubt yourself it's about putting them to one side or for me uh, the team is really important again so if I ever doubt myself we, we speak it out or if they doubt themselves or if we doubt what we're doing we talk out we talk about the pros and cons we maybe write some lists down about what could go wrong as long as I think you've got plans in place and processes and structure you, your doubts that the better those processes are the doubts go smaller and smaller because if I said to you now, Jason, that you're going to do this and you just went and did that, you will probably have a lot of doubt because you, you've not thought of all the consequences. However, what we do is we sit and we go, right, if we go down this route, what could come up? If we go down this route, what could come up? And we have a plan B, C, D. So actually, all we do as a team is we roll down one way and if, if there's a blockage, we just everyone knows what they're doing and it's bang, go onto that track. Bang. So at that point, those doubts go really low because you, you're prepared. Yeah. For me, the fear and the doubt comes from the unknown. Fear comes from unknown, and same as the doubt. So we're just trying to stay on top of that, really. Mm. It's not really a step back, but it's just a pause of thought and just going through that process. 100%. It's never... I mean, th this whole thing of this tri two trails of thought is step back, always go forward. Sometimes you have to step back. Like, you, if you look at anyone that's successful in anything in life, the people that have failed the most are generally the most successful because every time you fail, and I say that with inverted commas, you learn. There's no growth in comfort. And that's the reality. So anytime, if I look at myself, my, my life, my business success, as, as it were, goes in like this, like in waves. And if I look at the times when it's plateaued, it's because I'm super comfortable and I don't want to break that comfort. And I remember 2017, 
I was away with my missus and I think it was around December and I said to her, look, I said, oh, we've got too com complacent at the moment. We're too comfortable because we've got to a position in our life that we've never been in. But actually we've forgotten where we wanted to be. So when I get back, I almost give her a heads up. It's going to be a six months bumpy ride because I'm going to make myself uncomfortable so we can grow again. And that's a kind of what we did. We came back. I took a lot of opportunities that I normally would panic about. I just, I just jumped at stuff that I thought would work, that I believed in, got uncomfortable. And it is hard. It's six months, a year, two years, five years, depending how big the goal is at the end. But then you reach, you level up as such. Then you regroup, level up again, regroup, level. And that doesn't necessarily mean in business. That could be in your personal life, in your relationship, in your parenting, in anything. Mm, absolutely. And on that note, sort of segueing really nicely, what does the future hold for you, for the businesses? future hold obviously we've just launched rise um, i'm working on some other projects still within hospitality in the leisure sector to be honest um but my long-term goal as you know i do a lot with dorset mind i'm an ambassador for them and um, my long-term goal really i'm 33 i've got seven years in my head that i'd like to get to 40 and be comfortable enough that i could have a regular income that i don't need to do new projects and then i'll put my time into um, charitable work and that kind of stuff and I would like to set my own foundation up longer term wow. and just give back and help really that's incredible mm. is that it's been saying you wanted to do for a long long time or is that saying you've reflected on the last sort of 12 16 months 12 16 months it's got a lot stronger but it's been something I've wanted to do probably for sort of five years five years my plan was always to get to 40 and have enough time to then be with say wife kids if I'm blessed enough to have kids one day you know and and then actually just do more, do more for the community, do more for the people. Wow. Yeah, try and make a bit of a change somehow. Yeah, well you've given plenty of people great experiences, but then to think that you want to go above me on that a step further is incredible to hear. And really, mental health you touched on there, and you're so involved with Dorset Mind, doing a lot with them, some incredible things that we've covered at the paper. How important is mental health, raising the awareness of it, and are we slowly but surely heading in the right direction of people being more aware about it? We are definitely heading in the right direction. Definitely heading in the right direction. I've been working with Dorset Mind, I think, four years. And four years ago, no one really in my circles even had heard of them. Um, no one really spoke about mental health. I'm in an industry that notoriously doesn't speak about their feelings. Nightclubs, the fighting scene, you know, boxing events. It's all about being tough. It's all about having an ego. It's all about being like, you know, that whole phrase, man up, which I'm not a fan of. So I just thought, right, how do I make a change to this? To be able to make a change, I'll start with my own sector and I'll start with myself. So I thought if I kind of lead by example, if I start talking about my experiences, if I start doing this, you know, I've got a large platform on social media. How do I use this for positive change as opposed to keep posting flash cars and flash watches like that? That's not really helping anyone's life. If anything, it's given people mental health problems. So I did it that way and one of my reasons to be, I guess, really involved in it is I lost a family member at a very, very young age. I think he was probably 12, we were probably 12 or 14. And at that time, no one knew what that was. No one, this word mental health wasn't used. So that, that, that I didn't know what it was at that stage, but that played on my head for ages. And then as I got older and started experiencing other stuff both myself we've all been in dark places i've experienced some things um, in my earlier years and then losing more and more friends and i thought right this enough is enough and then obviously we lost one of our boxing trainers back in 2017 which is when i started the, the bigger campaigning as such and we recently launched a new campaign called light on which is to try and help men's mental health 
all mental health to be honest but um, ultimately the, the aim is a five year campaign is to try and lower the suicide rate and the, the obvious clear message is if anyone who's struggling with anything do just speak to someone whether it's a family member a friend someone at Dorset Mind your doctor anyone just speaking about it does help when there is help out there I believe so yeah I believe so Talk, talking is the, is the key to anything like if you look at it from therapy if you look at it from a mentor you know if you're a high shot premiership footballer they have a mentor after every game now let's be honest a mentor is another word for therapy so but they're, they're, people think that you need help when you're at your lowest. But the way I look at it is, if I'm flying at my highest and I'm at the best place in my head, why would I not go and get therapy to stay there? Why would I not want to stay there? Why am I going to wait till I drop down to be able to lift it back up? That's kind of my mindset. Not everyone can obviously be at that position, but talking definitely helps. And if you're unsure, you can head over obviously to Dorset Minds website and they can signpost you accordingly about help because there is help available um, 24 hours a day. It's just knowing what to do. If you, you know, some people don't feel comfortable talking to their friends. They might reach out to someone that doesn't know them a bit they, they're in the hope that they're not going to be judged. Um, so there's a text service called Shout that you can text in a 24 hours a day and you just text them. If you're uncomfortable talking to someone or embarrassed, you just text them 24 hours and they're great. So yeah, I would, I would definitely promote talking. Yeah, I'm fully behind that. And just lastly, I'd like to do a little reflection often at the end of the podcast. If you go back and tell yourself one bit of advice that that young man in Balfour who just played college was flowering hmm. nightclubs. What would it be? Oh, it's a tough one, this. Because this question, I think a lot of people will give you some profound answer, but I think in reality, every bit of our lives plays a significant role of who we are today. So for me, I feel like I am right where I need to be. The only thing I would tell my younger self is to enjoy the journey because I was stressing about a lot as a lot of people do is what's next what's tomorrow I don't know what I'm doing what what should I be doing is this right is this wrong and I I the only thing I not not regret but the only thing I should have put more thought into is actually enjoying that process of how I got from there to here because when I think back it was really fun but obviously at the time you don't see it mm. that's probably the only advice I would give I would give to anyone just enjoy, just trust the process and enjoy the journey mm. I guess it's so hard because you're so of the tunnel vision focused on being success and probably at the time think oh, I can reflect and look back on it once it's done but it's not going to be the same when you look back it, it isn't and obviously when we put these events on you know like for year one of Sandfest we come up with an idea we put 5,000 people on Sandbanks Beach for a music festival like it's unheard of but that year was we did it from six months uh, six weeks six weeks we launched it with an idea and six weeks later the event happened so we were running around on the day and, you know, I wasn't taking any of it in. And after the event, three days later, the after movie came out that we'd recorded. And me and the team sat and watched it and we were like, bloody hell, like we, we created this. But I couldn't take any of it in. So I made it my absolute goal the following year. I stood up on that stage for a few minutes every hour and just kind of took the energy in at that point in time. Same with the Anthony Joshua event. Mm. That was my 30th birthday. And a huge event. I didn't have any time to enjoy my 30th birthday. and any time to enjoy the event. Didn't even hear half his interview. So it's just, you, you've, got to, you've got to live in the moment. I think that's key. And I guess by channeling those moments and remembering that can spur you on when you're in difficult periods like with the pandemic, thinking we're going to get back there. One day we'll get back there and I'll be able to experience that again. For sure. You, you, you hold on to, we love hope, don't we, as humans? We, we hold on to hope. And, you know, I always think of it like this. Do the good times outweigh the bad times for that particular thing that you're concerned about? If it does, carry on. 
If it doesn't, make a change. As simple as that, that's how my brain functions. Within my relationship, within my businesses, within the staff dynamics, everything. There's a good outweigh the bad because we're human. We're all going to have ups and downs and you can't do it. You can't be like, there's not one rule for all. That's a brilliant way to end. Thank you so much for your time, Ty. No I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of you in the, the months and years to come. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. That concludes this episode of The Echo Dispatch. All episodes today are now available on major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Please get in contact with any feedback or interview suggestions for the series by emailing me on jason.lewis at bournemouthecho.co.uk. Thanks again, and bye for now. The Echo Dispatch with Jason Lewis.